good to see you all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to turn to Isaiah. Isaiah, the 40th chapter, and we're going to read one little verse of Scripture here after directly. This is one of those sermons that you may want to take a pen out and jot down some uh, Scriptures because I've got four or five that I'm going to rattle through really, really quick. But uh, you may want to jot those Scriptures down and, uh, and uh, have them to where you can go back and look at them and study them uh, later on. But uh, in what I want to deal with today, in, in, in my line of thinking this week, in my studies this week, I thought about how many of us have moved without the consent of God, uh, you know, or without waiting on the Lord. And the reason that so many of us have ran into uh, so many difficulties, so many calamities, so much heartache, uh, so much trouble is because we have not learned how to wait on the Lord. You know, it's been said many times down through the years that patience is a virtue. And Scripture backs that up. And I'm just going to rattle through these pretty quick. When Paul was giving his uh, example on patience in 2 Timothy 3.10, he says to us, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, which are the manners of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and then he says, patience. Hebrews 10.36 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin and the sin which doeth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. James 1.4 says, Let patience have her perfect work. Romans 12.12 says that we need to have patience in tribulation. And even David said, I waited patiently on the Lord. I even remember the songwriter said, Job waited on the Lord, why can't I? And you think about all the things that Job went through, all the, the, the suffering and all the pain, and he, he waited on the Lord. And, and if he could go through what he went through and wait on the Lord, why can't we deal with what we deal with and have the patience to wait on the Lord? You know, we, we are a right now generation. We are a hurry-up generation. We are people that, you know, I can remember when the microwave didn't even exist. I remember when my mama put supper in the oven and warmed it up. We always had leftovers. That's what we had. But now we put popcorn, you know, used to, you put it in a big old cast iron skillet with that lid and on the stove and you cooked it. But now we put it in the microwave for about two minutes and papa, you got this sack full of popcorn, but we sat there and bang on it going, hurry up! Because we want instant gratification. But here we see that we are to have patience and wait on the Lord. I want to read one verse in, in the book of Isaiah. And this verse is probably going to be very familiar to you. It's, it's Isaiah 40, the 31st verse. If you do not have this verse highlighted in your Bible, you need to have it highlighted in your Bible. If you've got it highlighted in your Bible, you need to get you a little 3 by 5 index card and you need to put it on your refrigerator or on your bathroom mirror. Somewhere where you will see it all the time. Alright, Isaiah 40, verse 31. You all there? Amen. Amen. But they that what? Wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We're going to focus on that one little verse here this morning. And I want to visit with you about I am a eagle saint. 
I am an eagle saint. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in this verse, who was Isaiah talking to when he said, but they? First of all, he was talking to those that was now supposed to be in captivity in Babylon. But that was not all he was talking to. He was talking to to those who call themselves believers. He was talking to those who call themselves saved. Those who uh, call themselves sanctified. Uh, The holy rollers, the intercessors, the wailers, the mourners. He was talking to all of those. And what does he say? But they that wait on the Lord. That's good enough. I could stop right there and preach probably an hour just on that one little term right there by itself. But learning to just wait on the Lord has its benefits. Uh, Because waiting on the Lord, it says that he that waits on the Lord, their what? Their strength is renewed. That's one of the benefits. Their strength is renewed. Now, I can just hear someone saying this morning to themselves right now, if I could have just waited on the Lord in some of my decisions, I would be so much better off. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like, you know, you come to the realization, if I would have just sat there and waited and done nothing. Waited on the Lord, I would be so much better off. And there's probably some of you right now that thinking back over your lives, you can see the difference from when you waited on the Lord opposed to moving on your own or taking the advice of somebody else. Isaiah said, but they that wait on the Lord their strength shall be renewed. Now, that, that Hebrew word for strength is koaka, K-O-A-H-K, which means that they that wait on their Lord shall renew their strength. And what that means is that we will renew our power. We will renew our might. We will renew our force. We will renew our ability, our faith, our fruits, our substances, uh, our wealth, and they shall renew their strength. And what I want you to see here is, I want you to know something. Even the strongest person gets tired at some point. But God's power and God's strength never diminishes. He is never too tired to help. He is never too busy to help. He is never too uh, busy to listen. His strength is our source of strength. So when you feel like all of life is just crushing on you, and you can't go another step, remember that you can call upon the Lord and renew your strength. I think it was last week I encouraged you to just cry out to God. You see, one way that we can obtain some of these attributes that I just listed is by becoming eagle saints. Now, here's where it really gets interesting. You're probably sitting there saying, Pastor, of all the birds in the world that you could have picked from, why did you pick an eagle? Well, it's a very simple deduction. Because an eagle is not just an ordinary bird. He is extraordinary. He's not like an owl. You know, one that has big head. You know, some people we know are, are just like that, aren't they? They're, it's not that their head is big, but they just got the big head. In other words, they sit around all day long asking who, 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 who said that? Who did that? 
Who's going here? Who's going there? You know, so an eagle is not like an owl. Nor is an eagle like a mockingbird. You know what a mockingbird does? He sits around all day long repeating everything that he hears. In other words, he is one that cannot hold water. You know, one that's always talking. Did you hear what was going on? Did you hear what oh so and so did last night? So the, 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 the eagle is not like a mockingbird. Nor is he like an ostrich. You know, any time that an ostrich feels like there's trouble on the way, what do they do? They run and they stick their head in the sand. And they hide. You know, the thing about an ostrich is that he's so unintelligent that he does not realize that when he sticks his head in the sand that his behind is sticking right straight up in the air. How many of y'all are old enough to remember what roach killers are? Do y'all know what a roach killer is? A roach killer is a pair of boots that was so pointed that you could walk up to a corner and kill a cockroach without having to go to any trouble. My old World War II Navy dad wore roach killers. And any time he caught me or one of my four brothers playing ostrich where we had our head in the sand and our behind sticking straight up, he took that size whatever roach killer he had and planted it right in our behind and I'll guarantee it always hit right on the point of your tailbone. He could get your undivided attention. Oh, the good old days. So you see, the eagle is not like any other bird. But the eagle has a strange behavior. I want to tell you some things about an eagle that you may not know. An eagle sets up their territory or their living area up near water. And if you know anything about water, you know that it is symbolic to the Holy Spirit. Water is also where we draw some of our life supply from. No one can survive without water. In other words, he doesn't live around anything but what brings him life. And I need to tell you, this morning, if you are in a dry place, then you need to find a place that will feed you not only spiritually, but physically, naturally, and financially. And I want to tell you something. There is a world of people out there that are looking to be fed. Something else you might not know about an eagle is they have a very strange diet. They don't just eat anything. Most of the time, if you watch TV, like watching Discovery or National Geographic, most of the time when they show an eagle, what are they doing? They're diving into a lake and catching a fish, or the ocean, or a river. So, they, they, they live on fish a lot. But then, okay, what about when they can't get a fish? Well, they, they will get a rabbit or, or, you know, whatever they can. They don't just eat any old place. And I think we need to learn something here, folks. And that is on what we should and should not eat. But some of us just have a cast iron stomach and we eat every chance anywhere we can. Now listen to me. You're saying, what's the point here? This is the point. You go to one church, you get a pastor. You go to another church, you get another pastor. You go to another church, you get another pastor. Or you listen to three or four different pastors on TV. And here's the thing. It seems like people today want to tithe to everybody but their own church where they're being fed. And something else I want to point out here real quick is that somebody tell me why that man is the only 
thing that God created that is, that is not still doing what God designed them to do. Cows are still mooing. Dogs are still barking. Cats are still meowing. Flowers are still blooming. Grass is still growing. You know, stars are still twinkling. The sun still comes up and the sun still goes down. But man won't listen to God. Man won't follow God. Man won't hear God. Lord, have mercy on man. That's all I can say. Those last two things were free. I'm going to quit meddling now and I'm going to get back to preaching. Now, something else about the, the eagle. They're very sensitive to human activity, so they set themselves apart from others. This is what I want you to see. If you are going to get what you need from God, there will be times that you have to set yourself away from human activity. Steal away by yourself. Because it seems harder to pray when there's a whole lot of nagging going on. It's harder to pray when the phone is constantly ringing. It's harder to pray when somebody is banging on your door. When, when you know, so what I'm saying is sometimes we just have to get away from it all. And here's something that I found out. When a mature eagle, when they get hurt for whatever reason, they steal away. They go and they find the highest mountain that they can find, or they go and find a place that they can hide, a cave, wherever. And you know what they do when they get there? They pluck all their feathers out. All their feathers. They pluck them all out and they sit there and they take their time to heal. And that allows them to grow back just that much better and that much stronger than, than, than they were before. And there are some of us that have been hurt. Maybe we've been hurt by somebody in church. Maybe we've been hurt by a family member or somebody where we work or a husband or a not wife. And what I'm getting at is this. We need to find our spiritual mountaintop, our spiritual cave where we can just strip ourselves and allow God to heal us. To restore us. And here's something else you may not know. The incubation period of an eagle is 35 days. 35 days. And then what the parents do, just like most stuff, most people, most animals, they nurture and cultivate their offspring until they're about four weeks old. In other words, they cover them up, they protect them, do whatever they do to keep them safe. And then they begin what is called the fleeing stage. And that transpires anywhere from 8 to 14 weeks of age. Now, an eagle is, is said to be mature at 4 or 5 years of age. Now folks, listen to me. It's all right to go through an incubation period. You know, uh, when you're, you're, you're warm until you're born. And it's all right to brood, to be protected and watched over. But there is going to come a time when the fleeing stage needs to transpire in each one of our lives. It needs to take place. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean that there will come a time when you will need to learn to pray for yourself. There will come a time when you need to seek the Lord for yourself. There will come a time when you will need to talk to God by yourself. Now watch this. The mama eagle gets her eaglets ready for life. And what she does 
is she tests her eaglets to see if they have grown. And you know what she does? Boots them out of the nest and sits there and watches. And if they fly, that's good. If they don't, she swoops down, catches them, brings them back to the nest. But, you should have saw that coming. When they get back in the nest, she don't make life easy on them. She don't make life comfortable on them. You know what she does? She starts tearing up the nest. And she makes it smaller and smaller every time they try. So all the stickers and thistles, you know, they're not comfortable where they are. And I think, you know, in other words, what she is trying to do is tell them it's time for you to get up and get out of here. And I think that too many of us have become comfortable in our nest. We want everybody else to pray for us. But when are we going to start praying for ourselves? We want everybody else to take care of us, but when are we going to get up and get a job and care for ourselves. In other words, my question to you this morning is this. How long will you need to hear the Word of God before you change what you're doing? What is taking place in your life? You know, there's people that have been in worship service, revival services, church, however you want to say it, for 30 or 40 years. And they're still the same person today as they are when they first came to Christ. How long will it take us to grow up? How long will it take us to change our wicked ways? When will we become more loving? When will we become more at peace? When will we become more humble? Now I've got just a couple of more points and then I'm going to get out of here. It's said that a wing, uh, an eagle's wingspan is somewhere between seven and eight feet wide. And that tells me that we need to learn how to spread our wings. And stop saying, I can't. And start saying, I can. And remember what the Word of God says. You find this in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We've got a neighbor. Comes here sometimes. The big old guy with the beard, Earl. And he's kind of took our two daughters in as their grandkids. And he's got a saying. When one of our two daughters says, I can't, what does Earl say? We're going to whip old can't till he can and that's what we need to learn is to whip old can't till we can and remember that verse of Scripture that I just told you from, the, from, from Philippians. I heard even Jabez pray this prayer. He said, Lord, increase my territory. In other words, Lord, give me more wisdom. Give me more knowledge. Give me more understanding. Things that I don't understand... Teach me, Lord. And the things that I do understand, teach me how to do it in a better way. So let's close this thing out. I've got to go. It is said of an eagle that they can see a storm coming from miles and miles away. And you know what the eagle does when he sees that storm coming? Instead of running from the storm... He heads to the storm and he soars up and he gets up above the storm and he rides that storm out. See, not like the ostrich 
that sees the storm coming that runs and sticks his head in the sand. Too many of us, way too many of us, are running from the storm. Every time that problem occurs, even if it's just a little small situation, we want to run and hide. But what does that eagle do? He spreads his wings and he gets on top of that storm and he rides it out. And I tell you this to say this. There's always going to be people that hate you. But you're just going to ride it out. There's going to be people that talk trash about you. That lie about you. But you ride it out. There's going to be people that say bad things about you. That talk down about you. Ride it out. Why? Because we need to be eagle saints. I'm going to tell you a story and we're going to go. There's a story of a father and his son that were walking out through the pasture one day and they found a little baby eaglet that had a broke wing. So they picked that little baby eaglet up and they took it home and daddy patched up the little eaglet's wing, got it back to where it needed to be, and they put him in a cage. And all of his feathers fell out. And he stayed in that cage for a couple of months and all of his feathers regrew. And he was bigger and stronger, so they had to let the eaglet out of the cage. Well, they had a chicken farm, is what they had. And so when they put this eagle out there with the chickens, the eagle wasn't satisfied with where he was because he felt uncomfortable. He looked different than the chickens did. He made a different sound than the chickens did. And one day, this eagle, and he's growing, and he's growing, and he's growing, and one day, this eaglet, Here's a sound way up in the air and it sounds like eagles that are soaring up in the sky. And you know what that eaglet did? He began to move. And he began to flap his wings. And the next thing, he took off and he flew away and the little boy started crying. And he said, Daddy, why is this leaving? And his daddy said, don't cry. He had to leave so that he could be with his own kind. And that's a word for somebody this morning. If you are going to be an eagle saint, you're going to have to leave the chickens. You're going to have to leave the turkeys, the ducks. You're going to leave the owl. You're going to leave and you're going to soar like an eagle. What did Isaiah say? He said, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let me tell you this, and we're going to go. We all need time when, and I'm talking about regular time, where we just listen to what God has to say. Waiting upon the Lord, expecting His promised strength to help us to rise above all of life's distractions and all of life's difficulty. Listening to God 
helps us to be prepared for when He speaks to us. Be patient when He asks us to wait and trust Him to fulfill His promises that is found in His Word. My question to you is this. Do you believe God loves you and wants the best for you? I want you to think about that. Can you relax and be fully confident that He has the power not only to control your life, but control life of everyone as well? Though your faith may be struggling and your faith may be weak, accept His provisions and His care for you and then you can soar like that eagle. Wait on the Lord. Renew their strength. Mount up on wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faith. Let us pray together. Father God, we just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. Father, we just thank You for all the blessings that You bestow upon us. Father, we thank You for the rain that felt this week. We thank You for this church, this church family. Father, the opportunity to come and hear Your Word proclaimed. The opportunity to spend time in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, I just thank You for each one today. I pray a special blessing on each one here today. I ask for Your continued protection over us in this challenging time. Father, the folks that are not with us today, we pray that they're safe, that they're okay, and that You'll bring them back safely at the next appointed hour. Father, we've got pretty extensive prayer list. We've taken some people off today. We praise You for that. We've had to put some other folks on, Father. And we just ask that Your Spirit move in a special way. That whatever need they have in their lives, Father, that it will be met as only You can provide. So, Father, we just ask as we leave this place today, that You just guide us and direct us, that You watch over us and care for us, that You forgive us where we failed. And we'll be careful to praise and glorify Your holy name. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. God bless each one of y'all. Y'all have a great week. Good to see y'all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to the book of Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter. Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter, beginning in verse 1. Amen. Y'all got it? Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. While he was yet shut up. That means imprisonment or in prison. In the court of the prison saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. In other words, Jehovah God is His name. Now listen to this. Verse 3. Call unto Me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things. That word mighty means inaccessible things, or unsearchable things, which thou knowest not. Now keep your Bibles open, because we're going to be looking at uh, several scriptures today. And uh, let me, uh, we're just going to look at these three little verses and let me preach to you or visit with you today about I can call God when I need Him. And you saw that in the third verse of our text this morning. Now, 
Here we see while Jeremiah is confined in the courtyard uh, of, of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him, and our text tells us, the second time. Now, while Jeremiah is, is locked up, we're told that the second time God has taught to him. And this is what God, the word that God gives to Jeremiah. God tells Jeremiah a message to tell to Jerusalem. In other words, the Israelites, God's chosen people. He said, this is what's going to happen. The Babylonians are going to come down from the north and destroy this city unless you are willing to repent and be sorry for your sins and ask for forgiveness. But, but God would restore Jerusalem after this transpired, not because the people cried out to Him, but because it was part of His ultimate plan. You remember God said when it came to the children of Israel, there would always remain a remnant. No matter what happened, there would always be a remnant. But something else that I noticed as I was studying this, the king at this time was Zedekiah. And Zedekiah did not like this message from Jeremiah. And he didn't want to repent. He didn't want to be sorry for the way he was living. He didn't want to ask for forgiveness. And what do people normally do when they don't like the message? They don't like the messenger. And so King Zedekiah threw Jeremiah into jail. But now here's something that really jumped out to me about this little story. When you look at, at this, Jeremiah is locked up for doing exactly what God told him to do. Jeremiah is doing the will of God and to me, something don't seem right about this situation. It seems like uh, 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 when, when I'm obeying God, when I'm doing God's will, when I'm doing what God asked me to do, when, when I'm trying to live the best that I can, it seems like to me things are supposed to be running along pretty smooth. That things should be hunky-dory. That... that things should be somewhat uh, flawless. Uh, I would hesitate to use the word perfect, and I'm afraid too many times that's the way we think. But, and you should have saw that coming, because that is not the case, unfortunately. In fact, the Lord Jesus, and you can flip over if you want to, to the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, in verses 11 and 12, it says, Blessed are ye, when men shall revile you. In other words, when, when, when you are insulted by someone, or you are abused by someone, or you are condemned by some, someone. But the Bible says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12 goes on to say, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Now I want you to look at Jeremiah's issue. He obeyed God, and yet people still mistreated him. They insulted him. And they locked him up in jail. But let me go back to these verses that we read in Matthew, because Jesus said to rejoice, when you're persecuted. Now, you might be sitting there saying, why? Well, persecution can be good because of four things. First of all, it, it takes our eyes off of earthly rewards. Secondly, it strips away superficial belief. Thirdly, it strengthens our faith of those who endure whatever we're going through. And fourthly, it says a lot about our character. 
because our attitude through it serves as an example for others to follow. So, while Jeremiah is going through this difficult time, if you will, this time of trouble, when he is dealing with these storms that have come into his life, in the center of this this dim, this vague, this blurred, this unclear moment, what does our text tell us that Jeremiah is to do? He's to told to call on God. That's what our text says. To call on God. This tells me that when we are going through some stuff, some difficult times in our lives, some situations that we would just as soon not be into, that we need to call on the Lord. Now here again, you may be saying, why? Well, because God assured Jeremiah that he has only to ask. Go back to your text and see what your text says. God is ready to answer our prayers, but we must ask for His assistance. Why? Why do I need that? You may be sitting there thinking, surely God could take care of my needs without me asking. Yes, He could. But, when we ask, we are acknowledging that we are not ten foot tall and bulletproof. We are saying that, that we can't handle this alone. We are saying, God, I need a little help. That we cannot get ourselves through, accomplish what we want to in our own strength. And, 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 and besides, why would we want to try to do that when God has so much power in His domain to do whatever or to help us through whatever we need? So call on Him when you're in trouble. Call on Him when you are in pain. Call on Him when you are being abused. Or call on Him when you've run out of ideas. You just don't know what to do anymore. Maybe you're in a situation where you have tied the knot in the old end of the rope and you're hanging on for everything that you possibly can and you just don't know what to do anymore. Call Him when you have done all that you can do. Just simply call on the Lord. So what I want to do here now is I want you to turn to the book of Psalm, the fourth chapter, because I want to call a witness to the stand. And the witness that I'm going to call to the stand today to back me up is King David. You know, King David was going through a time of difficulty in his life and he called on the Lord. And, and, and when you get to Psalm, the fourth chapter, we're going to see that David made a request from God. Or he made a request to God. Psalms 4 verse 1. He said, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. In other words, we need to remember to call on the Lord when we are in trouble. You see here what we see David knew that God would hear him. And when he called, and not only would he hear him, but he would also answer him. Now, we too can have that kind of confidence. We can have that confidence that God listens and answers when we call on Him. Now, sometimes we may come to the conclusion in our own little convoluted minds that, that we think God will not hear us because we have fallen short of His high standard of holy living. But I want you to understand something, folks. God has forgiven us and He will listen to us. So when we find ourselves in a difficult situation and we start calling on the Lord, we start praying to Him, and we feel like our prayers are just 
bouncing off of the ceiling, remember that as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been set apart by God and that God loves you. Never forget that. He hears and He answers. Although His answer may not be what you expect, He answers. And I'll have more to say about that in a minute. But here's what I want you to do. When you find yourself in that difficult situation, I want you to look at your problems in the light of God's power. Instead of looking at your problems in the shadow of your problems. Looking at God in the shadow of your problems. So Jeremiah is called and told to call upon the Lord. And it also says God would reveal to him unsearchable things or inaccessible things. And I may tell you that the same God that promised Jeremiah that, that promised to disclose the great and unsearchable things to Jeremiah is the same God that will reveal those same things to you and to me. Now, you might be sitting there asking the question, well, Pastor, how do I call on God? What do I need to do to call on God? Well, the first point that I want to make is this. We call on God by bowing down on our knees. When is the last time you found yourself in such dire straits that you got down on your knees and prayed. Like you've never prayed before. Maybe even all the way with your face to the floor. Because you didn't know what to do. You were at your wit's end. I want to show you something. I want you to turn to Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians, the third chapter. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Well, you're going to begin reading. I'm going to kind of be paraphrasing. But I want to show you what Paul has to say about this. That we call on the Lord by bowing down on our bended knees. A lot of times I will hear people come to me and say, you know, I, I, I've been praying. I've been praying really hard. And it just don't seem like I'm getting the answer. And I look at them and I say, I don't see holes in the knees of your blue jeans. So how hard have you been praying? Now I want you to think about that. Are y'all in Ephesians the third chapter? Look in verse 1. It says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation He made known unto me the mysteries, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when we read, we may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man, as it is now revealed unto His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Now I want to just stop right there for just a second. You remember Paul. Before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. And you remember Saul was on that road to Damascus when God confronted him. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And you remember he was struck blind. And God sent him to a particular place, to a particular man who healed him. And he said, I want you to take my message and spread the gospel. And you remember Paul tried to take the gospel message to the Jews, but they rejected him. And so, what did he do? He said, fine. Y'all don't want to listen to me? I'll go to the Gentiles. 
Oh my goodness gracious, we've created an issue now because the Jews and the Gentiles detested each other. They could not stand each other. But Paul said, I've got a job to do and I'm going to do it. And that's part of this unsearchable mystery, inaccessible mystery, was that God was bringing the Jew, I mean the Gentiles, into one family with the Jews and we were to become one body on Christ Jesus. That was part of the mystery that was being revealed to him. Now I'm in verse 8. Unto me, whom am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Christ Jesus. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose, purpose which He proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Wherefore, I desire that your faith, not as at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. I need to read that again. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I what? Bow down my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, Paul himself bowed down and called on God. That's the first point that I want to make. Now, how can I call on Him? Well, we can sing praises unto Him and we can worship Him. You remember Paul and Silas when they were in jail. The Bible tells us that they started singing praises to God. And then what did they start doing? They started praying. So I want you to look in 1 Chronicles, the 16th chapter. Verse 8. First Chronicles 16, verse 8. You might not be there, but I'm going to move on because of time. He says, Make known among the nations what He has done. Talking about God. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonder He has done, His miracles, and the judgments He pronounced. We have to know, and we must know, that, that God will answer us when we cry to Him, just like David. He answered David when he cried to Him. He answered Jeremiah when he cried to Him. Also, there are times... Now listen to me. I told you all ago... That, that, that God may not answer the way we expect. There are times when He doesn't answer the way we want Him to. There are times when He doesn't answer right away. There are times when He says, just wait a minute. And that's the one we really struggle with. We can get yes, and we can get no, but when we're told to sit and wait, That's the hard one for us because one of the things we detest is having to wait. But that's one of His answers. But the thing about it is, when He does show up, He shows up at exactly the right moment. Right on time. So what David is saying, going back to that fourth song, What David is saying, he is saying, pay attention. Pay attention to how God has been faithful in the past. Look at what God has done before. So while you're waiting for an answer, 
You won't lose hope. And you won't grow impatient. The Lord said, Call to Me, and I will answer you. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And then God proceeds. Now go back to Jeremiah. Go back to our text. God proceeds to tell Jeremiah exactly what He intends to do for Israel. In other words, God gives Jeremiah some very precise, very detailed, specific promises for the people. I want you to look in verse 7. Jeremiah 3, verse 7. Here again, you read because I'm going to be kind of paraphrasing. First he says in verse 7, I'll bring Judah and Israel back from their captivity. What did I tell you all ago? There would always be a raiment. So the captives, whoever was taken captive into Babylon, God was going to allow them to return. He says in verse 8, I will cleanse them and forgive their sins. You remember what, the, what the, the condition was a while ago? Jeremiah said, if you will repent, if you will seek forgiveness. What I want you to see by that right there is no sin is so great that it can't be forgiven. You know, God can forgive you. God can make your record clear. But you have to do a little bit of the work. Verse 9, he says, Your name will be the name of joy and praise before other nations. It will have honor and be renowned. In other words, God is telling us that we need to let God be our strength when we feel weak. We need to allow God to be our fortress when our enemies are against us. We need to let God be our refuge when we feel like we need to retreat from life pressure. And then he goes on and says in verse 11, there will be the sounds of joy and the voice of gladness. And then verses 14 and 15, he says, that day I will raise up my righteous branch who is Jesus. Folks, I want to tell you something. There are some promises laid up for you as well. I can hear the Lord saying specifically to this church that He is going to bring us out. I can hear God saying specifically to this church, I will forgive you of your sins if you repent. I can hear God saying to this church, I will restore the name of this church and it will be a name that people will rejoice for and others will rejoice with you. I can hear God saying to this church, I will raise up the name of Jesus to be this church's main focus. My question to you today is, Jesus, your main focus. What a promise. What a promise He made. You see, the Lord shared with this man of God, Jeremiah, and he made promise after promise to Jeremiah. He shares these promises to him in fragments. In other words, he don't give him the whole load at one time. He just gives him little pieces to give him the confidence and the assurance that everything is going to be alright. Now, I want you to listen to me now. I don't know what is going on in each one of your lives. And I don't want you to think what I am fixing to say is insensitive. But you have issues in your lives just like I have issues in my life. We're all going through a whole bunch of, and pardon the 
the, 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 the words that I'm going to say, I just, country boy, I don't know how else to say it. But we go through some crap from time to time. And we see a bunch of stuff going on in this whole world. And it seems like we're just bombarded, that we're just inundated with one thing after another. And sometimes we just don't know what to do. We don't know what to think. We don't know how to respond. And the thing that I want you to understand, just like he told Jeremiah, it's going to be alright. Do not forget who is in control. God is in control. God still calls the shots. It's going to work out the way it's supposed to. Now don't think that I'm sitting here telling you that your life is going to be hunky-dory, peachy, creamy. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that that's the way it's supposed to be. If you don't like what's going on right now, you better buckle up and take a seat because it ain't going to get better. But it's going to be alright. Because God is still in control. He still pulls the chain. He still pushes the button when it needs to be done. So don't forget that. Don't forget who's calling the shots. I want you to understand. I'm going to show you this. I want you to know that when we call out to the Lord. He will hear us. He will answer us. And He cares for us if we'll just hold on to the promise and, and call on Him in our time of trouble. And remember what the Bible tells us in Romans 8.28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to His purpose. How do I know everything is going to be alright? Because we just call on the Lord. And the songwriter said it this way. This song is called, I Can Go to God in Prayer. And verse 1 says this, makes no difference what the problem is. I can go to God in prayer. Yes, I have this blessed assurance. I can go to God in prayer. You know, we sang that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Maybe you need to read those words to understand how important it is because God will take our gloom God will take our sorrow and God will turn it into light. He will comfort us. He will strengthen us. He will keep us. I can go to God in prayer. And the chorus goes like this. I can call Him when I need Him. Our Father up in heaven. I can go to God in prayer. I can go to God in prayer. But I really like what verse 2 has to say. It says, But sometimes my burdens are so heavy when your burdens seem heavy, do you go to God in prayer? Or do you just say, Well, I guess I'm just going to have to push a little bit harder to make it through. I have found one who is so faithful. I can go to God in prayer. I can call Him when I need Him. Our Father up in heaven. I can go to God in prayer. Call on the Lord in your time of trouble. And He will answer. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You. We thank You for the time that we've had today. The time that we've had to spend in Your Word. To hear Your Word proclaimed, Father. And we just thank You for this message today. Father, help us cling to You for our strength. Help us cling to You and know 
that, that, that your promises are real. All we need to do is to call on you and to ask. Father, we just ask that you watch over us and care for us as we leave this place today. That you continue to protect us in this very trying, very challenging time. Father, we just ask that you watch over us and guide us and direct us and forgive us where we fail you. Father, we've got a lot of folks that are not here today. We've got a lot of folks on our prayer list and we just lift each and every one of them up to you. Father, the need is there. And we just ask that you meet that need, that you be with them in this time that they're going through. Father, we just love you. We thank you for all the good things that you give us. We certainly pray that you will bless us with some rain that only you can provide, Father. And Father, just go with us now and bring us back at the next appointed hour. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.